0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Aren't you thankful in a world of ever-changing circumstances, we serve a God who is unchanging in His character, unchanging in His love for us, and He's given us a mission as well that's unchanging, and so thankful for that reality that the mission of as a church family, we verbalize it this way, to become help one another become fully devoted followers of Jesus, following Him into a life of love, all for His glory. You can't cancel that. You can't postpone that. You can't put a mask on that. You can't quarantine that. And is anyone else thankful for that? <laughs> this mission is on, and it's not stopping as we follow Jesus into this new ministry season and, and today. And... Uh, so good to be back with you as a, a, a family we appreciated some time away the past couple weeks and we were able to worship along with you via our uh, online format and so appreciate our worship team pastor Tyson and just a, a great past couple weeks as we've been in this overwhelmed series but it is good to be together and excited where the the Lord is leading us through this series but also in September as we launch our new ministry season But real quick, status check on everybody. Uh, How are we doing? This is, we've kind of, as a culture, jumped back into school. Is everybody hanging in there? (laughs) Are we uh, super glad to be back in a routine? Some sort of a routine? Or are we completely overwhelmed and ready for fall break now? (laughs) It's, uh, no, we're praying for you students and parents and teachers and administrators and coaches, and as every week, I know it's a, a changing landscape, but uh, but, yeah, thankful for for where God has taken us week by week, and we're uh, today we are continuing this series of overwhelmed, and the question that we're we're uh, pursuing or we're chasing is this: How do we continue to keep on keeping on following the Lord, live out our life mission when we're overwhelmed by sorrow in those moments when The waves of sorrow hit us when we enter a storm, a season of suffering and sorrow just hits our heart in a way that it seems impossible to carry on. How do we keep on in those moments? And aren't you thankful that God doesn't gloss the reality of pain, suffering, sorrow in his word as he helps us and equips us for life here or minimize the fact that as humans, we're gonna be weak. We're gonna struggle at times in life. Jesus doesn't say, come follow me and I'm going to make all your problems go away. What's he say in John 16? In this world, you will have trouble, but he doesn't leave us there. He says, take heart, I have overcome the world. And he calls us, equips us to live with with courage and to follow him by faith. And one of the gifts that he gives us that helps us through the valley of sorrow specifically is a a pathway to follow. It's a a specific pathway part of a genre of scripture that we're going to look at today and it's uh we see Jesus actually in his own journey taking this pathway in Mark chapter 14 and we'll read verses 32 to 36 but it says Jesus nears the cross he says or Mark records this it says they went to the place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples sit here while I pray and then he took Peter James and John along with him And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. If you missed last week's message, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. Tyson took us into a part of scripture which helps us deal with depression, anxiety, and and even the the hard topic of those moments we despair of life, of suicide. One of the challenges was to never go alone into those moments. As you we see Jesus in his darkest moment, he goes with the twelve, but then he takes three with him. Isn't that interesting? to pray along with him in his valley. And he says this. This is what he tells these guys. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. And then he goes on and he prays, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. What hits me as I read that is Jesus saying, "My soul, overwhelmed with sorrow, to the point where I, I'm, I'm dying. It feels like I'm dying inside." How do we keep on in those moments when we come to our own valley of suffering, valley of sorrow, where we're overwhelmed with sorrow, to the point where we feel like I, emotionally, I'm struggling to get a breath and even keep on with, with this season. I love the way Mark uh, Vrogop defines, or the the answer is lament. And we're going to dive into lament. Mark Vrogop has written an entire book, really, that takes us into this journey of lament. Mark is the pastor at College Park Church. It's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And he defines lament this way, and we'll put this on the screen. Lament is... A prayer in pain that leads us to trust. It's significant that a third of the psalms, the songbook that God has given us, are lament. And lament, they follow a similar structure, which is helpful for us when we're in our valley of sorrow, where we can remember it and replay it in our own minds, and it's this. Or we'll walk through it as we walk through a lament. Psalm 13 is where we'll be today. And as we walk through Psalm 13, we'll, we'll stop three checkpoints, we'll follow, and what we'll discover is lament is where God provides grace for us. It's a, a means of grace as we work through our sorrow. And so we'll, uh, we'll start there. Psalm 13, verse, verses 1 and 2 form the first checkpoint, and the, David is writing, Scholars feel that there's not a specific moment in David's life that precipitates this song. It's a song that's really, which makes it good. This is applicable to really any tough time that we're going through. But David writes this, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? The first checkpoint we see in these verses is, is simply this. You could entitle it the pain, processing our pain. And the prayer, the summary prayer is, Lord, I'm hurting. This is where we, we come to God and uh, we're not glossing our prayer. We're, we're honest, we're raw, we're, we're sharing with Him what we're really feeling. And when you read a lament, you can almost think that seems to be almost irreverent or sacrilegious. How could David say, how long, Lord, will you forget me? Does he not know that God would never forget him? And the answer is no. David knows the truth, that God's love is unfailing. But what God allows us to do through lament is to be honest with what we're feeling, the human emotion that we're feeling. Four times we see David praying, how long, how long, how long, which is really bringing us to the reality that he's at that moment in life when he's wondering, can I endure? Am I going to make it? It's like those times in life when the pain is so much that that we wonder, do I have what it takes to to take the next step? And he starts with one, how long, God, will you forget me? God, it seems like you're not even here. And this hurts because I know you're there, but, but if you are kind, I don't feel your kindness in this moment. And how long do I have to fill this? And then he moves to his own emotional state as he says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts, mental torment, as well as my emotional torment and have sorrow in my heart? How long? And then he uh, moves into just the spiritual reality. How long will my enemy triumph over me? May have been a, a physical enemy, but for all of us, we have a spiritual enemy where we feel the effects of sin, death, disease, as well as the spiritual attacks. And the question today, as you think about your, your own life, have you been there? Or maybe even today, you're in a season of a valley, a season of dip, and lament is God's gift to you and to me that in our moments of, of sorrow, to be honest with him and process our pain with him rather than run from him and, and allow bitterness and anger to take root. In his book, Mark shares opens the book sharing their journey through pain as a, a family, and uh, perhaps the greatest pain that will, anyone could experience is the loss of a child, and they lost their, their baby daughter, Sylvia, and he describes these moments. He says, I felt such piercing grief and sorrow. It's impossible to fully describe pain and fear mingled together with a jumbled torn of emotions. Thoughts about the future raced through my mind. Questions haunted me how would my boys respond to this? God had given them two twins as well as a, a, another boy. And, uh, and then he said, would my wife ever be happy again? If we, if we, would we never conceive another child? And how could I live with such pain while feeling the need to have it all together as I pastored a church? Would our marriage make it? So many questions, so much fear. Following Sylvia's death, I poured out my heart to the Lord with desperate candor. I fought the temptation to be angry with God. I wrestled with sadness that bored a hole in my chest. In the midst of my pain, I began to find words and phrases in the Bible that captured the emotions of my heart. Some left off the pages. Leapt off the pages. And Mark says, I had been a student of the Bible for many years. Biblical lament but was, was new to me. I didn't even know what to call it at the time. He describes how he knew Romans 8. That God is going to work all things out for our good and his glory. He knew that. And yet, his he says uh, and yet my grief was not tame. It was vicious. I battled fears, disappointment, sorrow, and in and in my journey discovered the grace of lament, a song I never wanted to sing. However, once I was in the crucible, I was deeply thankful for this uninvited dimension of the Christian life. He says, looking back, I can see how lament became my guide, my teacher, my solace. The years that followed Sylvia's death were a roller coaster of emotion and challenges. We suffered multiple miscarriages, false pregnant, positive pregnancies. However, our painful yet honest prayers turned our agony into a platform for worship. Lament helped us navigate the wilderness of our grief. What do we do in those moments when we feel like the pain that's, that's going on in my heart, it's too much, God? And how do I carry on? Those moments we're tempted to become bitter and angry with God. And God is saying this through lament, through this song and others in, the, in his word. My child, don't run from me with, with your pain. Bring your pain and run to me. Bring your doubts, bring your questions, bring all that stuff and bring it raw and bring it real and process it with me. It's interesting how God, there's an intimacy that happens in lament or in our valley of sorrow that I don't think we experience in other places and if you've, and I'm sure we've all had moments and we can think back to, it's hard to even verbalize the closeness as we come to our Lord and, and we walk with him through those times. But one of the confusing questions as we process through this is, and as, especially I know as a young person I was struggling with, how do we jive lament with the, really the call of God to be joyful always? You know, it's, um, it's joy as a fruit of the Spirit and that's a constant. Our joy never goes away. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's the fruit of the Spirit is love, and the second one is joy. So we have this joy that's anchored in our relationship with God. We're also called to choose joy. Joy is a, an imperative. Multiple times in the Bible, uh, Paul is the one who says, rejoice always. You know, whatever your circumstances, rejoice. And yet we see Paul, if you, if you, uh, chase the word tears through the bible it's often Paul who's crying <laughs> he, he's uh, and he said even says over in first second Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 6 10 we're sorrowful yet always rejoicing like how, how do you jive this? to how do those sink we see Jesus who we know our God is the most joyful being in the universe and yet Jesus is described here by Isaiah as a man of sorrows and we see him sobbing um over Jerusalem and sobbing with Mary, the the word that's used for how he cried, it's not a pretty cry or a quiet cry, it's a heart-breaking cry. And so the the answer is, which is it? Are are we gonna be sorrowful or are we gonna be rejoicing? And the answer, the tension-creating answer is both, right? (laughs) And this is the, it's the mystery that we live in as followers of Christ. There's this joy that will never leave us and even as tears flow, that joy is there. And yet, God calls us to be honest with our emotion and to process grief in a healthy way. The, uh, as I think especially men probably struggle to, to, uh, to process grief appropriately. We tend to stuff it, numb it, ignore it, uh, just keep on, right? And the the longer I live, the more I've seen, and I hear, other, I hear counselors say this, I see it in the lives of, of others. When Anytime we don't appropriately grieve a loss, it will come out in an unhealthy way in another part of our life. So important. I heard one counselor say, we must learn to, to grieve our losses, whether it be the loss of a favorite pen, something insignificant, or the loss of a, a, a favorite person or some, something very significant. And so lament leads us to to process our pain, not alone, but with the Lord. All right, on to the next checkpoint. We see uh, he moves from the pain in verses 1 and 2 to the prayer in verses 3 and 4. As he says, David writes, Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I I have overcome him and my foes will will rejoice when I fall and so the checkpoint second checkpoint is the prayer and this is where we're simply the summary phrase would be Lord I need your help it's verbalizing um, to God this is what I need in this moment and I know most of us this is not new news but but it's just a simple reminder to come to him as our provider yes there's pain but then turn to him and say God this is where I need you to enter my problem, enter my pain. This is where I need help. Prayer is the sovereign means through which God is ordained to, to deliver his grace to us. And David is modeling that here as he's asking for help. And what a comfort to know that as we kneel before our Lord in prayer, Jesus was human. He understands. He empathizes. In Hebrews chapter uh, 4, verses 15 and 16, remember it says, we have a high priest who is able to empathize with us in our, our pain so that as we kneel before the throne of grace, come into his presence, we will find the help and the mercy that we need. And so this morning as, I, as you think about your own life and those pain points and, and maybe a valley that you're in, what is it that you need from the Lord? And his invitation to you at this point would be to ask him, to to just ask him to step in and and, uh, to provide. The the challenge for us is to keep praying through our valleys. It's interesting as we watch our Lord, the one we follow, walk through his valleys. Notice he never stops praying. And and what's interesting is he's praying lament. When Jesus is even on the cross, his final moments— what did he pray? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is Psalm 22, verses one and two, which is a lament detailing his crucifixion. The danger is that somewhere along the way we stop praying in our valley. The temptation is real because when you felt the pain and you have prayed and then God doesn't answer in the way that you prayed, the temptation is to think he's silent, he doesn't care and I'm gonna stop praying and the challenge is no, 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 don't stop and lament takes us and it leads us to pray on, pray on, especially in the valley, pray on, and pray lament. It's how Jesus lived, it's how we're called to live, and Paul Miller in his book J Curve describes a, shares a family vacation moment where he saw this uh, truth kind of playing out in a memorable way, and his daughter Ashley was a a, uh, freshman in high school, 14 years old, vivacious, full of life uh, girl, loved the Lord, but uh, she was, it was, they were parked there at the lake, and their mini, they were unpacking the minivan, he was in the back, she, but she was up at the front of the minivan, stressed out, pacing back and forth, and he, he's like, what's going on? So he walks up to her to check on her, and she said, dad, I lost my contact, and he said, freeze, you know, don't move, we're gonna uh, stop here before we step on it, and we're gonna pray, and then we're going to look for your contact, and when he said pray, she broke into tears. She said, dad, what does it matter? She had been praying for years for her younger sister, Kim, who was nonverbal autistic, that God would help her speak, and God had not answered her prayer. And it broke her heart, and her heart slowly closed to the Lord. God doesn't hear my prayer. I asked him, and he hasn't answered, and so she stopped praying. Her dad talked with her a little bit about that, and then they went ahead, they prayed for the contact. And, uh, and then he did what parents we've often done in these moments where as, after they got done praying and started looking, he prayed another prayer, which was, Father, this would be a really good time to come through for my daughter <laughs> and uh, help her feeble faith as she's wondering if you're reliable. And sure enough, they're balanced on a leaf, you know, impossible to find a contact on a forest floor. There was that contact, and they found it, and her faith grew a little bit. But they were having the same conversation 28 years later at a soccer field as Ashley and her dad watched Jack, their son. They had several other kids. And uh, she was processing the reality that she had stage 4 cancer and would soon be leaving her family in her 40s. She said, Dad, I don't understand. Why? Why me? Why Why would God allow this to happen at this moment in my life? And her dad reminded her of that moment on the family vacation. But then he reminded her of the bigger picture. We live on Saturday between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. And Saturday, God seems to be silent. Saturday, the enemy seems to be winning the day. But what do we know, followers of Jesus Christ? We are people of the resurrection. Our redemption is coming. We're on the battlefield today. Death, disease, those things, they walk us through the valley of sorrow. And for some of us, faith will not be sight until we hit heaven's shores. But this we know, God listens. And he heard the prayer of his son, and he hears your prayer, and he's saying, keep praying. And when you hit the valley, which we will hit, process your pain, pray on, and then we come to this last point, and this is the good point where, uh, where we shift our focus. In verses 5 and 6, David says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praises, for he has been good to me. Checkpoint three, we, ca- we could call this the pivot but this is where we turn to trust in the Lord. It starts with that little word, but. It's the idea of, it's a simple word that that signals a massive change and it's moving from looking at our problem to looking at God's unfailing love, at his unchanging character. And I love the way he uh, says, but I trust in your unfailing love. The focus of David here and our focus is to be God's Faithful love. This is the Hebrew word Hesed in the New Testament. We we talk about the agape love of, of God. It would be similar, but it's his covenant love, his faithful love that will not change. It's a love that's steadfast, relentless in pursuing our good. It's a love that guarantees our salvation. So the next line is: he says, Therefore, I'm rejoicing in, in my salvation, in your salvation, the salvation that God's love guarantees for those who have come to him in faith. It's a love that's already written the end of the story. Don't you love that? Like, we know the end of the story, and it's, it's a love that, that promises. And we, we see at the end where uh, Revelation chapter 21, uh, 22, God knew heaven, new earth, and God says, I will wipe away every tear. As you read through the laments, often you'll find the mention of tears. And David will say, Lord, record your tears, or... Put, put, put my tears in a, a wineskin or, or a container. I love this thought that God and His, our Father and His omniscience remembers every tear that we, we cry. I don't know about you as parents, but when I see tears on my child's face, it's, it's battle on. Whatever caused those tears, I'm ticked. And, and I have an imperfect love. And it's neat to think that our Father... He's got your tears. He knows the pain moments. He knows where um, the curse and death and disease and, and the things that have were not meant to be have, have caused you pain, caused you sorrow, and one day, those places in our soul, those tears will be healed. And I love um, Scripture. Every, we believe every word of this is inspired. Jesus said every jot and tittle, meaning every dot, every cross, it's going to happen. And, and I love that when I read Revelation, the text where he says, He will wipe away how many tears? Every. So that, as so we come to this song, we, we're in a valley, but what are we doing? Now we're singing. We're looking at him and, and uh, say, Lord, I trust you with all my heart. And as we put our trust in him, reaffirm our trust. Our heart fills up with joy as we think about our salvation, and then it overflows to praise, doesn't it? We can't help but sing. As he says, I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Amen. And we turn that valley, that dark place, the place that was meant for evil into a platform for worship. Love that. I think, I, you know, we call this the revolution of praise but we're on the battlefield right now, and there is death, disease, pain, all these things. There's things that we need to lament. But even in our lamenting, even through our tears, we step into our primary vocation, is, which is to praise God, worship the glory of God. And lament is the gift that leads us into God's presence to worship Him in the midst of our pain. Isn't that awesome? What a gift God has given us through His Word. So how do you keep on keeping on when overwhelmed with sorrow? Lament is God's gift to us, his means of grace through which we enter his presence, keep on keeping on, gain strength, but ultimately it leads us to worship him. Lament leads us to three checkpoints. First, the pain. It helps us process our pain. Lord, I'm hurting. It leads us to pray. Lord, I need help in this way. And then it leads us to the pivot where we reaffirm our trust in him. Lord, I trust you. I've really enjoyed getting to know Danny Mendez um, over the past year. And I've mentioned at another time, Danny, I met Danny in a kind of a strange way. It was an Acts, the Book of Acts kind of greeting or meeting where things happen where it's obviously God orchestrating these events. And uh, it was the first week of sabbatical last year. I was walking out of the DAC where it worked out. And Danny had been, he and his wife and Landon had just moved to town months earlier, he was online looking for a church, found our church, was looking at our the pa- picture of the pastors thinking, I need to go meet a pastor. As I walk out of the deck, he's walking up the street, and he looks at me and like, and and we had the best conversation, and God used some of the things that Danny said to me that I needed on the sabbatical, and that's another story, but uh, Danny and family have been on quite a journey this past year, and they've come to the point where Life has been a bit of a turmoil. They are officially joining our church today and, and excited to have him as a member. But as I have listened to Danny's story and have gotten to know him, it's been, become evident that he has a unique calling on his life to serve those who are, are suffering, but also the way he lives his life, he lives that mystery, that tension of sorrowful yet rejoicing. And we... Uh, I've asked Danny if he, he would come on up at this time and, and share. Um, there's no way we're going to get all this in just a few moments, but um, Danny, if you'd be willing to share a bit of recent and then take us back in your faith journey to, to where God has yes, led
1: through you. What an honor it is to, to be able to, to talk to the church family. And uh, I'll try not to get too choked up, but, but uh, that's what the message is about this morning was Tears but uh what a what a what a blessing so many people in this room have been to our family and uh one of those wisest things smartest things i've ever done was was as soon as as soon as we came to town really trying to find a place to connect to and we didn't we didn't know a soul in this town i didn't even know where danville was two and a half years ago and uh what a a blessing it has been to, to be here and to be in this church family and so many have been so kind to me and my son um we, i met with pastor a while back and we were just talking through my faith journey and and uh, talking about how we got to where we were at and as a young man growing up in church you often without even realizing it you you often almost sometimes use faith as that as that ticket if i just do good you know bad's not going to happen you know this just life's going to be good if i follow Jesus, and, and uh and then, one by one, things just started happening in my life, even from the way, the way I was brought up as a, as a child and, and different forms of abuses in my life. And I came to a point in my life where I realized that, that even having Jesus, there was suffering coming. And one in particular that I mentioned to, to Pastor John is I, I went to work at a church for just a short time, and, and just a very big disappointment came there and... and, and uh, and I found myself one one afternoon, just what pastors talk about today, just crying out to the Lord, saying, "How can you do this?" And I started going through all the different laments, all the points in my life that were just just valleys. And I just said, "I don't know if I can keep doing this." And uh, and I had been just crying on the floor, crying on the floor. And I said, "Lord, if you can't help me make sense of this, I, I don't know if I can if I can do this." And I didn't know what to do other than just grab the Bible and start reading and it was almost one of the first passages I turned to was in, in the book of Psalm and in and, and, uh, chapter 84 and verse 6 and the Lord says who passing, who passing through the valley of tears or the valley of Baca make it a well and some dots started to connect and, and, and I understood that my life would be a little bit unusual I would have some I would have some, some probably a little bit more suffering than the average person and I could do one of two things. I could, just, I could just walk away from the Lord. I could gripe about the situation. Or I could do what that verse said. That verse was, was implying to me and imploring to me is take those tears that, that you're crying here and make it a well. Make it a well for others to, 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 to be refreshed by your pain, your suffering, but also growing in your faith. And, and how, how pastors mentioned that, how, how my faith has grown seeing God present at every moment. On December twelfth of last year, I lost my wife and and humanly speaking, it was the most devastating thing that's ever happened and yeah, we've cried a lot of tears still still crying you know and uh um but you're right it's hard to explain on that day it was the worst day of my life, but there was still a joy in my heart. I can't explain it I wasn't laughing i wasn't I wasn't joking, but there was a joy in my heart that I knew that that God didn't die on that day and that that there was still gonna be more life. I'd see Karen again, but I knew that, that, that I also knew there probably would never be an answer for this. I know we all think we're gonna get an answer. What answer could you tell me of losing a wife? What would make sense? The two billion people would, would be saved as a result of, I would still say, Lord, couldn't you use it differently? Um, there's no answer, and I'm not looking for an answer. I just knew that, that God was with me, He would continue to be with us. And somewhere along the line, I'd have to use these tears to as a well for others and, and as a well for myself, because there'll be more coming. And so so I, I just want to say thank you to again to the church family for that for that time. And and some of us have been called to an unusual inordinate amount of suffering. And and sometimes if we if we'll allow God, we can we can take those tears and use them as a well for 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 others and definitely as a well for worship because God is good.
0: And Danny's been willing to teach a one, we're going to do a, just a one hour, one day course class next Sunday up in the, uh, the room above, the, or across from the balcony on how to process through grieving and suffering and loss, and not just for those in that season, but how to help others through that, and so appreciate him doing that. We live on Saturday between Good Friday and Sunday. And uh, In this world, we will have trouble. But Jesus said, take heart, I have overcome the world. I don't know about you, but when I see a a storm cloud coming, it it is a, uh, (laughs) we don't want those clouds, do we? Those big, big, uh, huge, ominous-looking clouds. And while we were away, we had the chance to go down to Dale Hollow, Kentucky, which is one of those lakes that you can just drive forever on. And on the last night, my brother and uh, Nicole were on their boat. We went all the way to the end of the lake to a place called Sunset Marina and had a, just a wonderful dinner. And it's one of those places a country singer actually wrote a song about this place. It's so beautiful. And it was that kind of night. And we uh, enjoyed dinner. But then as we pulled out of, uh, <laughs> pulled out of the, the uh, marina, there is a massive, Storm cloud. One of those that's so big. You can even see the lightning in the cloud. And we're on a lake good 20 minutes from home thinking, uh-oh. And we go out. It's, the water's still until we take a right, and then it becomes wavy. And uh, we're thinking, oh, baby, boat's rocking. We're flying. Wind's picking up. And as I was reflecting on that and reflecting on the, the name of this book, Dark clouds, deep mercy. The clouds are dark. The storms are dark. Times of life can be dark. But the mercy that we live on, it's ocean deep. The mercy of our God, and and what's even more precious to think about, and as Danny was mentioning, the treasure in the valley is what? It's that we have a Savior who is in our boat. So I was thinking about that boat, the people in that boat. It was family, people who I love more than life itself, people who you're just real with, right? You you eat snacks together and you take naps together on the boat and you you just hang out together. The people in the boat you know and you treasure. Jesus is in our boat, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Yes, He's the God of the universe, but He is the God who took on humanity and stepped into our lives. And through His Spirit now, His presence is with us, and even in this room, He's with us in our suffering, in our pain. You know, in lament, it's really bringing us back into this reality that Jesus is here. He's in the boat. Think about the day that Jesus sent his disciples across and a storm comes up on Galilee and he shows up and he gets in their boat, calms the storm. We serve a God who is with us. Amen? That's our hope. And today I must ask the most important question, do you know him? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? And if you haven't, come to that point in your life where you understand who He is, what He did for you on the cross, and the fact that our sin separates us from Him, and we're not right with God if we haven't come to faith in Christ. There is only one way to be right with God, to be forgiven, and that's through faith in Him. But when we do trust Him, John says in, his, in 1 John that we can be certain that we have eternal life, which is to be forever safe, forever free from the penalty and power of sin. And it's to have hope, even in the valleys. If you haven't taken that step, that's God's invitation to you today as well. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this gift, that, this song that we'd rather not sing, but we know for now we need it. We just praise you for it. Thank you for Psalm 13, Lord, and just the power of your word. Jesus, we know that you told us we don't live by bread alone but by the word of God and thank you for showing us what that looked like as you walked through the valley that we'll never have to walk through as you suffered for our sin. Lord, I pray for those who are in a valley now and are asking what David asked, how long, how long, how long Lord, I pray that, that you would draw them to yourself, even in these moments, Lord, be present with them, minister to them, help them to process the pain, plead for your help, and then make the pivot to see your unfailing love. Lord, I thank you for a faith family, and for Danny, and Landon, and Karen, and Just uh, the way that we can support each other through our valleys and be there for each other. Thanks for each person here, Lord, and those listening, watching online. Keep us close. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.